We there yet? We there yet? The podcast with Rich Kiamko. Ah, that's me. (laughs) Hi, we are here live in uh, in Belleville. It's Belleville, New Jersey. I keep wanting to say Bellevue. It's Belleville, uh, New Jersey, right? And I'm here live with comedian Ross Bennett and uh, coming to you on a hot, incredibly hot summer day. It's so muggy. I could put a straw in the air and just drink it. But uh, we're nicely, comfortably cozy and in an air conditioned your new, your new uh, residence. My new old house. Your new old house. This is like yeah. from the 20s? I think so. Yeah. It was like, you know, what's the weirdest thing about it. It's almost exactly the same as my grandmother's house really from the she was lived up in the suburbs around philadelphia and hers was probably built in the teens yeah it's about 10 percent smaller but the same layout but, but the same there's a few little differences here and there but it is freaky the way it is just so similar in terms of the I layout wonder, is this like a sears kit house Did you i don't look in the rafters for numbers on the I don't think it was something like that, but I think it was probably a real basic working class uh, uh, construction plan. Right, right. The classic, whatever, pre-arts and crafts or post-arts and crafts <laughs> uh, granny house. Right. Or in that Although case, they weren't granny then. They weren't granny then, though. They, they weren't were grannies like the then. New, the new Mr. and Mrs. house. Well, it's great to have you. I She was a young woman with teeth. <laughs> a young woman with teeth and no dental plan. Back in the day. Oh, they had a plan. Oh, they did? That's right. The, the plan was, this is where I'll keep them at night while I'm sleeping. <laughs> at an early age, she had artificial teeth? I think she did. I think it, it was it was like she was in her 40s or 50s. Wow. That was a dental plan. And my mother talked about it being just, because her teeth were perfect, there were no cavities, some sort of a gum disease. And that was the, that was the, it's like during the civil war, you know, I got a, I got a cut on my arm. Well, cut it off. (laughs) Well, you don't really need both hands anyway. Thankful. Be thankful you have, or my parents would say, you should be thankful you have another hand. Your cousin is diabetic. He doesn't have any hands. So be quiet of that. (laughs) Always shaming you into gratitude. I'm sorry. That was about me. Now. So Ross, I actually was on the road. I think it was in Boston. I mean, it was like 23. I was on the road and I was in the hotel and I had the I had Letterman on. And then there you were. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is so bizarre. It was a, it was a great moment. It was an exciting. I mean, you've been in the business for 30 years now. Uh, no, it's 38. 38. Wow. I went to. Um, I don't think I was alive. <laughs> I know you weren't. You weren't. <laughs> the uh, I uh, when I got out of high school, I listed in the army. And when I was at arm, in the army, they... Uh, Did you go to war? Did you no, go? no, no, no. It was, Vietnam ended in February of 73, oh, okay. and I enlisted in November of 73. Trust me. <laughs> it, if, if it had been a different situation, I, that's, that's not what I would have chosen to do. Right. But right. once I was in the army, they ended up sending me to West Point, okay? So I'm at the uh, military academy at West Point for a year and a half, and uh, it's the summer of 75, 76, and during that whole time... Uh, Saturday Night Live was happening. Right, and right. Steve Martin was the biggest right, thing in the right. country. And I, I think those two things are what made it so the comedy boom happened. That that's what drew in an awful lot of people. Right. Okay. Right. And um, but during our plea year at West Point, the first year you can't watch TV. So I knew nothing about that. So were you allowed to and listen then, to no. albums? Or you just you yeah. There like, was there was music. I think in the second half of the year, but in um, <laughs> they upgraded. You could have sound. I think so. Yeah. And, um, uh, but in the spring of 76, I was able to turn on the TV and I saw these things I'd never seen. And it just, there was like a, something just rang inside me that I had to try wow. and do and how this. old were you then? I would have been, uh, uh, 21. Wow. And so I resigned from the academy. You just said, oh, I have to do this. I'm resigning. You was can, there like a talent show where you just, you know, just I did a couple I did a talent show when I uh, a year before when I was just when I was an enlisted man and uh tore it up yeah you know you felt this rush oh it was um you know it was just like it was a, just a natural uh calling to me and uh so I did that and when I got out of the and I, I spent a year at a college studying theater 
And because uh, my dad still wanted me to try and get a diploma. He wanted me to, you know, get <laughs> make a man out of you. Yeah. Something out of you. And um, but I met this guy at a talent show. He was from Chicago and he and he had these. Uh, he was he, I saw his first time I ever saw a comic do an act where every joke worked. Huh? It was obvious this was his act. And there was no doubt in his mind that this stuff was going to work. Right. Right. And we talked afterwards. We smoked a joint afterwards. And he ended up, he had a couple of showcase rooms up in Chicago. His name was Ted Holum. And uh, he goes, if you move up here, I can put you on stage 10 times a week. Wow. I 10 can't, times a week? I can't pay you, but you can get up in front of an audience 10 times a week. And within 10 days, I had, uh, re- I had quit that school. I had um, sold the few things that had the head value. <laughs> what did you sell? I think I had a camera. I had a car. I had a car and I bought a one-way ticket and flew up, stayed literally in a rooming house, a flop house. Wow. And uh, What technically is a flop house? Is that like just single rooms rented out for lead in a that's house what that's this kind, was. Of, kind of dumpy? Because a house I bought was a flop. They called it a gay flop house, and I never figured out what that meant. Like, it's just gay men on mattresses on a floor in these single rooms yeah, with nothing. But, but just slightly uh, better style. <laughs> squatters with a that's little right. with a little twist right. but so basically you're just in a house with a match and you would eat out that's right. you wouldn't really eat in the house there's like the, dif- a the difference bathroom. is the difference is that there's matches gay flop house there's still matches on the floor but there are drapes um i did find an archive of all sorts of window treatment hardware oh, yeah. in the attic after we bought the house so yeah i'm sure no so you so you basically lived minimally like do you remember what you had to pay for that flop house per month what did you do oh, it was like 25 dollars a week or get out a week so then you could bear what did you do to work you just basically I remember sold lemonade on the corner like just about i mean i had no money i don't know how i did it oh my but God. no one gave i know nobody gave me money i didn't deal drugs um for a while i had a job uh at a dunkin donuts cleaning up like from two until five in the morning but that was like horrible and um, it was so wait, two p.m. till five in the morning. No, like two a like two a.m. Oh, so you like did like the really a. crazy late shift till people and came just in. cleaning up, you know, Dunkin' Donut crap. Oh my god! And uh, I really made it. You want to be famous? And then there was a waitress, that. and she had a room, and I just and she let me go and stay at her room, and I paid her something every week. And um, uh, Pam Hall was her name, and uh, uh, and then I started to do door stuff at the club. I would, you know, take tickets and stuff at the door. Oh, okay. Wow. But 10 times. That's like, um, that's gold. I mean, for anyone listening, that is like comedy gold to get to get that much stage time that was, in front of real audiences. That was March of 78. Wow. And, and what were, where, this, where in Chicago? That was, was in, that was in the suburbs of Chicago. So it was like west suburbs, north suburbs? The northwest. So. Lyons, Illinois. Lyons. And, uh, and then by that by August, I went out to California, and I did the third international stand-up comedy competition out of San Francisco, okay? And that was in the fall, and uh, I made it to the semifinals with that, and man, I thought I was ready. I was, you know, I saw, I saw George Carlin, I saw Jay Leno, and it's like, man, this is gonna, this is gonna be it. And then I go back to Chicago for about two, week, two months, and then I go back to Florida, because I want to go to L.A., and I'm in so Florida. You go to Florida. I go for... back to my parents in Florida oh, okay, for, yeah. for a month. And the few last things I had, I had some a stamp collection and a few other things. I sold those. Oh my God. You I sold bought, your gold you sold your I, like gold I, tooth from the gold food. And I bought a theory? I bought a, a one way ticket to Los Angeles a Western Airlines. And a uh, propeller plane. <laughs> I went out there, I had hundred and fifty dollars cash in my pocket. Wow. And the first thing I did I, when I got out there, I think I bought drugs and I got a tattoo. Stop. So I, I had some I had some money issues. Oh my god. And uh, I had $150 in my pocket and, and I wasted it. And I and I went. That's exactly it. And uh, then I uh, bought pot. Wait, and, but then um, how did? Where did you stay? You had no more money. I was sleeping on a guy's couch who I had met at the San Francisco comedy competition. Oh, so you already set that his, up. His name was. Um, uh, I forget his name right now, but he was uh, a great guy. But in those in those days, it wasn't like you emailed him. You had a phone number. Did yeah, he? yeah, yeah. So yeah. you called and said, "Hey, I'll be there. You can and, crash." And so I stayed there, 
And then I went to the comedy store and auditioned. And they said, come back next week. Mitzi will want to see you. And then I went to the improv because you could, what on these, at this time, you just show up on a Sunday night and you, they, you get, were stood in line and you go up and you audition. Wow. And I went to, I went to the improv and I auditioned and the people, Bud wasn't there, but they said, come back next week. Bud will want to see you. And so I go back the next week and Bud loves me and starts giving me spots immediately. Wow. And uh, and I could feel the hate from all the comedians. Right. Because you're the new kid who yeah. shows up and just fucking and then crushes. I, um, uh, Did you make any friends at that point? Was it like... Well, the thing is, is well, yeah, I met, you know, I, I was just talking to a guy last night, Bruce Smirnoff, who uh, he was there two months before I was, oh you know? And um, so, and then I'm at the club right then and I turn around and there's this face looking up at me. This, this girl's face is beaming, just beaming. And uh, I never had a lot of girls really like me, you know? Huh. And she, she had seen my show and it must have clicked something inside her. And uh, we ended up, we went out, we smoked a joint. Uh, I showed her my tattoo <laughs> on my arm. That you got with you while you were doing your drugs. Yeah, but there was a little, it's a, it's a, there's a heart, in the tattoo there's a little heart. I show her that and she grabs her blouse and she pulls it up <laughs> and she had the exact same heart. No. On her. Get uh, out. On her, the Stop inside it. of her breast. Stop it. And, wait, wait, um, wait. So it was a very specific tattoo. Was it a, it was okay, a I'll show you. I'll show you. It's, now you see the top. You see the uh, the rainbow. Okay. And so the, the stars, rainbow. And and the, the, oh, and, and the, the, the little center, heart. That little heart. Okay, so just she towards had, the camera. She had that exact same heart. That exact same heart in was, the like, same was like right here. The exact same heart. None of the other stuff. Just the little just heart. Just the little heart, though. And um, so, that, so that was enough for her to pull her blouse right. up. And then was that like and uh home run no it you know it was like you know, she made it was like we were and we were sitting on i was sitting on the couch at the alan peter Al, alan al alan peterson was the name of the guy i was sitting on his couch in west hollywood he wasn't there and uh that's when she did it and, and she made a point that she wasn't going to sleep with me that night okay uh and we made a date for like the next night and i went over to her place and i never left I never left, you know. Wow! And, so it was almost like a lesbian um, date. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So wait, you just so the second, and then you and you you just moved in. I just moved in. And then how long did that? Until she passed away. Get out. Yeah, that was she. We ended what up. What was her name? Her name was Jan. Jan Goder. Oh. And uh, so we were, you know, we became like, you know, uh, 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 we were. Um, accomplices in crime soulmates you, you had yeah. matching you had and, matching uh, hearts. so we did the whole thing from 79 from then until eight, we got married in 82 and my son who's downstairs right now he's now 31 he was born in 85 wow and uh, uh sadly she uh, had uh, uh, breast cancer and uh, uh she passed away in the spring of 86 <sighs> Oh my God! So you were a single dad with a little baby. It was and uh, and, and a comic. And I didn't do it well. <laughs> oh my God! I didn't do it well, but um, well, you didn't sell him for drugs. <laughs> you still have, or did you just? Was it like a? Didn't. It's not that I didn't try. <laughs> no, I was by that time I was sober. The I got sober in '82. Uh, okay. You know, I, I I used to say that I I I I went. I thought I was going to L.A. to become a star. But I actually ended up going to L.A. to get sober. <laughs> you, know? you, got to, you had to go to L.A. and clean up yeah, your act. That's right. And <laughs> um, so, uh, and then I had a couple of slips, but I, uh, I've been clean and sober since 87 now. Wow. Um, wow. And, and that, uh, so as that was in the beverage program and the dry goods from, or the... Yeah. So it was like... This is my son, Nash. Hey, Nash. How you doing? This is Rich. Nice to meet you. Hey. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> he just said how he gave, gave birth... You were given birth in '85. I oh, just videotaping. Yeah, that's the, <laughs> the son. But you don't have a tattoo that matches your dad's, do you? No, I don't. I have a dragon, though. You have a dragon, but there's no heart on the dragon that matches it. Okay. That's a one of a kind tattoo there. Oh, okay. <laughs> Actually, it wasn't one of a kind. It was. It was on the wall. Oh, so everyone was just picking. <laughs> and it was thirty-five dollars. It was. <laughs> yes, you can have a Mountain Dew, a diet Mountain Dew. 
Can I have one, please? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> I love it. Well, this is what happened if you do a podcast in somebody's home. Yeah, and it's lo- It's like fully, everything's just sort of happening, and there's 1985. That's what 1985 looks like. Exactly. This is, I love it. This is a, pro- this is a product of the mid-'80s. Right. This is the mid-'80s, and then a little chihuahua. Uh, chihuahua mix. No, no, we're, we're okay. No, no, oh, no, 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 no. Okay. Uh, I mean, I'm a fan, but not. <laughs> she's, a, she's a sweetheart. Very sweet. We've had that dog for about five months now. Oh, okay. Greatest, greatest thing. Super sweet. I never had a dog. Oh, okay. Growing up, never had a dog. Huh. I always said it was because that would be the one creature in the house my father couldn't, you know, intimidate. And um, <laughs> so your dad was your dad like super aggressive, he disciplinary. Was, it was like it was a his way or highway kind of a thing. Right. And um, is that how you feel? And then, and is that one, your way to get his love? Like you to become a comedian? Do you feel like that's because your dad did? I mean, there's some reason why we become comedians. Were you like hungry for to be seen, hungry for your dad to acknowledge you? Um, I don't, I don't know. You know, I suppose there's all that kind of stuff there. I just don't. Um, I don't. I don't. Let me see. Yeah. There's probably there's probably a lot of that, but it wasn't certainly not a conscious thing. Right, at the time. right, right. It wasn't like I can't. And wait now to it's leave. and now it's just a shadow, of you know why might I have done this thing? Right, right. Um, but uh, yeah. Wow. So she passed a year after he was born, and then you were you were sober, but you were still struggling. I mean, oh. anyone sober or not to have a to be a single dad. The, uh, and to be a comedian and have a kid. I mean, how do, what were you doing then to make long, it all happen? Long story short, he ended up going to live with my sister. Oh, okay. And uh, I ended up living next door with my mother. Huh. And this is in where? What, what? This was in Western New York State. Oh, right. In that, in this the is home, Homer? In, 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 in Hornell. Hornell. Yeah, which yeah. is Which I talk about in my act. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and that was, that's how that all ended up happening. Or, you know, that's how it all ended up. Right, right. Well, at least then you had a whole little village of people help your family. Well, I guess your mom and your sister to help out. <laughs> a whole village. <laughs> well, there were two. There's there two. were two. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't a big village. <laughs> My family, the, a little village of your family is 14 people, and then the neighbors who have 14 to 20 in their family. So it's always, <laughs> you have an abbreviated Caucasian haiku village. My mother grew up, and uh, I think she, her mother was one of like, 11 oh okay and her father was one of seven. Oh, okay and they all lived in this mill town in, in uh, uh the philadelphia area in the suburbs of philadelphia and uh so what she said within five blocks she had like 35 first cousins right right she said she didn't need friends she had she had cousins right <laughs> right so that which is not my experience well you know at all i mean right my father was only child and uh you know, so there was, and you were were you an only child? As well? I had a, I have an older brother and sister. Oh, okay. And what did they end up becoming? Uh, my sister is a retired uh, uh, high school uh, principal, uh-huh. and my brother is uh, an entrepreneurial businessman. Mm-hmm. So you became you were like the radical one, I guess, that became the. the uh, I don't know. It's, I don't I it's I I'm difficult. It's difficult for me to put 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 labels on things. Okay. But we each did what we had to do. So, but each of you guys did what you wanted, like your own path. It wasn't like your dad said you're going to be a principal to your sister, and then you're going to be a. I think my sister probably followed more along the lines of what my father had in mind, you know, uh, and uh, getting some sort of a good job. You right. Know, and. Right. Uh, but my and my brother was entrepreneurial and uh, and I was also so. Yeah. So you so anyway so you were now back in Western New York. How did you did you continue comedy? Were you doing I kept Rochester doing, I, or I, Buffalo I, uh, or what was it happening? Well, there? I mean, I've always been. I mean, I've lived in about uh, uh, seven places over the year. I've lived in Los Angeles, Bay Area twice, uh, Chicago twice. The Detroit area once. That's when my my wife was sick. We went to the Detroit area and lived around there for about a year and a half. And that's when my son was born. And then Western New York State, and now down here. And I lived in four locations here in New Jersey. Right. Uh, but I've always been sort of a regional comedian. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm I take gigs that are national. I take gigs that are you know all around the country. Right. But 
there's a portion of my work that all comes within car distance of where I lived. So right. in each of these places, I had a regional reach. Right, right. Like when I lived in Western New York State, I could go out. I would I would drive as far as I would go to the clubs in uh, Detroit, all through oh, right, Indiana, right. all through Michigan, uh, all through Illinois, uh, Louisville. Right. You right, know, all, right. That whole within about six, seven hundred miles. Right, you sort you of know. do a swing state area. <laughs> yeah, that's that's that's. And then I could and then I could go out this way also. Right. Um, and but when I was in the Bay Area, you know, when it's hard for people to realize there was a time. Yeah, well, in the eighties and nineties, right? In in the San Francisco Bay Area, there were seven full time clubs. Wow. There was like there was like hundreds of comedians making a living. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and the very funny guys, very creative guys. And I've said it before that, that, you know, subsequently there's a lot of really, really funny bus drivers <laughs> and cab drivers. You know, because I was always, I always had my eye on, I'll go wherever I got to go to get work. Right. And right. some people are, are really need to be in their home. Right. Some people that's really, really important. Right. And um, so they weren't, willing to you know t take the road work right okay right or they weren't willing to adapt their act right that's another thing to do to it, do the it's road different work. to do road work than the you know like i for me i was always proud of the fact that when i lived in los angeles i there were comics who i went to such and such it didn't do well and it was always important for me that i could, I could go to georgia i go to atlanta and do well i go to miami right. do well. i could go to dallas and do well i could go right. you know any place the north at that time I had trouble in the northeast. I had trouble in the north from Boston down to uh, New York. Yeah, it was I, I was very intimidating to me. Right. Yeah. Right. That was a big thing when I moved here. I moved here in two thousand uh, sixteen years ago in two thousand. Right. Uh, I it took me a while, but I finally conquered so I could do the clubs and the and the audiences in the northeast. Right. Right. I, was, I think there was just a part of me that was always just scared. Right, right. Well, I think also people, you know, there's that east coast, northeast kind of corridor of like, there's a there's a certain aggression. Yes, but I don't know. I don't know what. The, but you know, but then think about Stephen Wright. Think about Todd Berry. Yeah. Uh, the uh, think about um, well, just those two. Yeah. Very soft spoken. Yeah. Super dry. Guys, yeah, you yeah. know and. I I think there's just there's just a level there's a level you have to be at out here. Right. Okay. And um, I it took me a while to accomplish that. Yeah. Yeah. Most of these I mean I was out in LA when all these New York comics came out in 80, 81, 82. And so you saw George Wallace come out and Jerry Seinfeld and uh, Richard Belzer and George Wallace and uh, Larry Miller and they're, they're, they come out and make their various marks. And I would remember seeing, I think all of them perform at the first time or very close to the first time when they first arrived in LA at the comedy store. I was like, wow. Yeah. These yeah. guys were just at it. They were just at this other. And I was good. I mean, I mean, I could always get up and, and you see how I work. Yeah, yeah. I could always get up and nail it. I could always get right. up and entertain the audience. Okay. Right. right. What I didn't, what I've come to believe now, almost 40 years later, because I never understood why I couldn't get to that level of stardom that I always wanted. And I said, well, I mean, I'm up there, I'm killing, I'm doing, I'm getting, this, I'm getting laughs, I'm doing blah, blah, you know, I'm doing really well. And what I now believe is that the, the producers and the people who would be watching, they've seen a thousand guys go up and kill. Huh. Okay. The question is, what is the person doing while they're in front of that audience getting their laughs? Ah. And that's why when they see a Jerry Seinfeld. Right. You know, this is all very original, very smart, you know, just clever. And, and plus the whole package that, that Jerry was, okay, uh, they, it would make it stand out. And then I didn't like to think of myself that I didn't stand out, but I don't think I stood out. It was like they'd, on some level, they had heard things I had done maybe before. They, I, I wasn't hitting them with anything that they were not familiar with or mm. that stood out to them. Right. 
Right. Wow. You know, like a guy like Michael Jr. You know Michael Jr.? Michael Jr. came here about 10, 12 years ago. He's now a big, big act on the Christian uh, you know, comedy circuit in, the, in doing the churches and everything. Big, you know, uh-huh. doing very, very well. And I remember him being on stage at the comic strip and seeing people watch him, seeing George Wallace watch him, wa- seeing Jeff Stilson, big producer, watch yeah, him. Yeah. And they were just like transfixed by him. Huh. Okay, because he was saying things that were unique, saying things that were original from an original place. Right. You know? Right. Right, because that's like the big, that's what we all what we all aspire to, like go to the deepest, most unique place of ourselves, get it on stage and crush with it. And, uh, you know, and that's, that's really what you have to try and do. Oh my God. Because that's the only, I, that's the only, the only thing you have to offer is you. Right. The deepest, you know, most authentic. You see everybody who's, you know, what's his name? Um, Ed Harris, the actor Ed Harris, who I love. Great, great actor. I read an article and he's talking about actors uh, who are, you know, uh, aspiring actors and they're spending their time on their headshots. Yeah. And he says, get in the play and act. Right. Okay. Forget about your headshot. Get in a play and act. It's like, you know, we know many comics, you know, and and my heart goes out to him because, you know, you want this so much. Right. And you somehow think that if I, if I attack this politically if i attack if i know this person if i know this person if i have this manager if i have you know if i could just this right right then i'll i'll make it i'll get what i want and all that energy really needs to be focused on doing what you do as best as you can right being the best you you can be and getting the most authentic material right Right. Because that's the hard, that's like the, that's the inside job. That's like going in, getting up again and still going in a little further and trying to find this kind of fearlessness and this authenticity. Yeah. Well, look at Amy Schumer. Yeah. When you look at what she created in what, seven or eight years now. Right. You know, she just, and, but once she's sort of like this generation Seinfeld. Right. In terms of her vision. Right. And where she knew she was going to go and where she thought she was going to go. And then her commitment to the authenticity of her material. Right. Right. She's so, I mean, she's, her vision is so unique that on her show, you're able, she's able to get all these writers who understand her vision. Right. And can write for her vision. That's, that's when you, you know, when, when it's that palatable. You know, her her vision almost can sit on a table. <laughs> right, right. Like a hologram. Yeah. Right. Ugh. That is, yeah, that's it. I mean, how how did you keep going? I mean, what kept you going this long? It probably is because I tried to get out of the business about 25 years ago. Wow. And I... This is like a 25-year procrastination? I set a date. It was in like uh, 89 or 90. I think it was around 1990. It was sometime in the spring of 90, I think. And I'm going to get out of the business. I'm going to get a job. I'm going to go back to school. And I'm going to make something happen. You know, I'm going to create this new life. A lot of it was motivated by my son, you know, wanting to be more. Right, because at that point he's like five years old. Yeah. And um, I set a date. I didn't take any gigs after that date. I got a day job working for minimum wage in a factory. Oh, my God. Making a small computer part that was essentially about the size of, a, of a, uh, um, the lead of a pencil. And it was like sharpening 800 pencils a day. Oh okay. Oh and having to check it microscopically. Okay. Minimum wage. Minimum wage. Minimum wage. You're building this little dot. Huh? Yeah. Wow, look at this rain outside. That's wow. crazy. Wow. Holy cow. So, um, and I worked that for four weeks. And it was through a, it was through a what do you call it, a, uh, uh, one, one of those employment services 
where they're taking a cut and all that kind of stuff. And at the end of the month, they go, we're ready to take you on full time. <laughs> okay. So you could do 10,000 pencil tips for the rest of your life. And I had actually gone back. I was going back to college. I was going to Sonoma State University. And I was making maybe maybe a, my take home was about 175 or 150 a week. And it just all of a sudden occurred to me, you know, if I just do one Saturday night gig, you'll make more than that. I'll make more than I make here. Oh my for god! For the week, and you know, it's kind of like being a prostitute. Once you make that money, right? How do you go back to making ten dollars an hour? Right. You right. Know? And how do you go back to a job where no one's laughing and they're you all know, dead inside? And um, <laughs> I mean, was there any joy at the job anyway? It wasn't like people were like, no, I saw no guys, I saw guys, I saw there was a guy there who I'm fairly certain, uh, you know, it's, could have ended up being one of these violent people at work. Wow. Because his eyes were just so dead. He was so unhappy, so unhappy and just so blank. Right. right. Um, so I said to myself, and then once I started making the phone calls, I'm available, blah, 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 calls started to come in. And my calendar started to sort of pull back together and everything. And I said to myself, I said, you know, if, if God wants me to do something else other than stand-up comedy, right. then the phone will stop ringing. At that point, I, I just let it go. And wow. I, said, I said, this is what I do. This is who I am. And so the universe said, you're just going to do this. Right. Get out of the factory. There was no no illusion that I was something else at that point. Oh my God. Yes. For a split second, the power did go out, but it's it's on again. Okay. As my son, he just came up out of a dark cellar. Exactly. Did the power go out? Uh yes. And there was a typhoon going on outside. Exactly. It was a million degrees out, and now we are in. And now we're in Miami. Now we're creating a. We're basically creating a rice paddy in your backyard. My, my mom was going to be in the back in a few minutes setting up the first tier oh, to make the rice. Before you leave, I'd love to ask you about your toys. Oh, okay. Sure, sure. Is this the casualest podcast you've ever had? I think this is the yeah. most casual. I mean, the only thing left is for someone just to walk through here and deliver a pizza or something. Uh, it's, I, you, know, it's, you know, it's someone coming through uh, barefoot with a, uh, a towel wrapped around them. Right. Yeah. They, yeah I just go take a shower. <laughs> I'm just gonna take a shower and uh, go get a. I go get a mani pedi right here between the two of you. Jesus coming over and she's just always does my nails right here. <laughs> the most casual. So then, so that that was the moment you. So you were you went to the, and I had already, you actually said to the universe, I refuse to be a comic. I will now go work in a factory for minimum wage, sharpening these little microscopic pencils. And the universe said, "Here, I'll pay you a little bit more." And this was after you know you know how. And this is in the '90s, so it, it, we were the, already. This was this was 1990. Yeah. Yeah. You know how when you get your tax, your Social Security, every year, they would send you a piece of paper, and it shows you how much you've made every year. Yeah. Okay, and your potential payout for Social Security when you retired and whatever. And if I go back, and then and then you can adjust though. Then there's a way that the Social Security adjusts that for inflation. Okay. My best two years financially was 87 and 88. Wow, as a comedian. As a comedian. My best two years, 87 and 88. So at that point, being in the factory was like under-earning, under-living. Oh. I was around a lot of people uh, who were dealing with under-earning, yeah. and, uh, which is a whole thing all unto itself. And this one guy, he was very similar, you know, wonderful guy and he, and, and he was uh, very smart very well educated and basically packing boxes for like seven dollars an hour or six dollars wow an hour. and what was his big dream well i'll just say that i think he ended up having a company that he sold for three and a half million dollars or something like that he ended up having a house in san francisco because he really was able to figure out how to get around this whole under earning under living thing yeah he yeah. ended up having a company with like 50 people, and uh, it was very, very cool. It was extremely wow. cool. Wow, wow. It is fun to meet people when you're in the, you're literally in the in the factory. Right. You know, people are getting yanked out into the machinery and thrown into whatever, boiling water. <laughs> so I never, you know, and, and from that point through the 90s until about 2002, 2003, 
there was not, for me, there was not a lot of money coming in. I mean, right. I, I continued to work stand-up. Right. I've always felt that when the, when the boom collapsed, the reason I was able to stay in the business and other people couldn't is because I never got to be, I know acts who are no longer working, who are making $3,500, $4,500 a week. They were with an agency that had all the comics. I won't mention the agency. It's out of business now. But if you wanted to buy an A, an A comic, you would have to take three or four B comics as headliners in other weeks for like $3,500, $4,500 a week. Right. And so when the bottom fell out, how does a person like that have their price go back down to $800. Right. But right. the most I ever made in a club was like 2000 or 2500 right. during the boom. So when everything collapsed, I could go back and do $800. And it, and it wasn't... You, so it you wasn't basically, it was sort of like the plague came and you were immune to the <laughs> emotional plague because you had built up an immunity to handle that level. The uh, I just knew I had to keep getting in front of audiences. Right. And so I met someone, and they said I should go over to England, that the, they thought my comedy would do very well in England. So from right. about 92 to 2000, I made about 14 or 15 trips to wow. England, and I would go over and work for two two weeks to three months. Wow. And I got to work all through the British Isles. Uh, I did Scotland. I did England, Wales, Ireland. I did three tours of at Wales. Wow. Uh, of Ireland, um, worked in Paris three times. Right, right. Know. Did you ever go to Germany? In Berlin, there's now, I mean, now there's some English speaking there. But it, in those days, I guess, maybe not. I, My sister at the time was working at a government, uh, at an army post oh. in Germany. I did a show over there for her friends. Oh, cool. Like it was their Christmas party, and I was right. over there. Oh, that must have been amazing. Yeah, yeah. And, well, you know, and they were all Americans and everything. So they were they dying were, to hear something, yeah. right? They <laughs> Because I got, you know, the, 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 the thing about, one of the interesting things for myself is that when you don't become a star, okay, you have to do this a lot. Right. And you end up, just by force of repetition, you acquire skills and talents and polish that you can only get by having done this five, six, well, seven, the 10, eight hours. thousand you know, yeah, times, right. okay? So typically... People say, what do you do? I'm a comedian. And then is that sort of, a, you know, what, what do you mean? You know, they, they don't really get that. And okay, and then they think it's like so-and-so they saw at the, you know, at some sort of an event or something. And I said, well, you want to come and see a show? And, you know, and sometimes they, they blow it off, they're sure, and they don't show up and whatever, whatever. And they act like they're doing you a favor to come to the show. <laughs> and um, <laughs> And then I'll do my show. I'll do what I do, and then afterwards they'll be looking. They'll go. Their, their faces just, their jaws drop. You know, we had no idea. <laughs> you know, we, you know, we thought this was, you know, that you're, you're great, or you know, and I love right. being you able to come out of left field. Right. And it's just so surprising because when people meet me in real life, they can't imagine me being able to do what I do. Right. Right. Because it's also like. It's sort of like you're a bodybuilder, but you don't show any muscles on the street. And then all of a sudden you go on stage and you're throwing 500 pounds around. And everyone's like, what? Wait, but you're supposed to look this way. You're supposed to behave this way. It's just, it's a skill that just anyone, you know, you don't know. Anyone could be wielding this. Back in the, when I lived in LA, back in the day, and we'd go out on the road and do these road gigs, you know, the comedy works in Denver and the comedy spot in Dallas and, and um, uh, that kind of stuff. We felt like there was a number of us. We 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 looked. We we referred to ourselves like we were gunslingers, right? Okay, right. you were just for and hire. we're being called in. We're Jack Palance and Shane. We're being called in to do a job, you know, right. that nobody locally can do, right? Okay, right. and then we would go to the club, and then all the local comics would go up, you know, all the you know, and then after all of them, then we'd go up, and you know, you know, and then. I've got to nail it on another level. Right, you got to blow okay. them all away. I got to, you know, and make them realize this is why, this is why they paid me to come in because you can't do this. Right, right. Okay. Now, Robin Williams. Okay. 
he when he would perform in venues with a bunch of you know comedy clubs and stuff like that he would have to he would have all of the greatest comics in the world go before him and then he had to top them wow imagine that level because he had the reputation of being he's the guy right right who just you know that goes to another level he kills first time i saw him it was like that was it it was like why should i how why am i even doing this <laughs> how do you how do you how do you continue to do this after you've seen somebody do this better than you could ever imagine doing it right you know and doing things you could never imagine doing right 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 but did you feel like it called you to a high, because i think like maybe like for him to have to be the one to bring it do you feel like in i mean i was in a situation where uh, I was subbing for Marion Groden. I think you know. So I was like, shit, I can't pull out of this thing. I got to do it. And then the place was packed, but it was like the most aggressive, hostile room I'd ever been to. They were all singing this like anti-trans, anti-homophobic you know, song. Like, Jake's going to take this bigger than mine. And they were all like clapping like it's a musical. And the guy's going to bring me up to that. And I'm like, how am I supposed But so I, I felt like I, I, and I did well just because I felt like I can't. I was in the corner and going, you got to, whatever you've got inside, bring it. So do you feel like at this point there was no way I don't want to say nowhere back but you had a son you've got to make the you got to you got to bring it to to feed him and yourself do you feel like that also is what kind of kept you going to like get to excellence or was it just were you just like you had to do it like what was what was like this this was it was just always something I had to do you just had to do it I had to do it you know and I Became the best comedian I could be on my own with my standards and everything. Right. And, you know, I, when I left L.A. and all this time on the road and everything, basically I'm holding myself up to my standard. So but at the same time, it's like being that self-referential could be dangerous if someone isn't like forced to. But you, right. I mean, I've seen so you. So then I go. You, you crush and you have your own. When I moved you know, to New York, it, it, that was the first, you know, now I'm 45 years old when I moved to New York. And at that time, and there's a lot of comics now in their 40s who are in, in the city, but at that time, to be 45 and move to New York, it's like, what's this old man doing here? Right, right. Okay? Right. And uh, I was able to find a place there, but the but to be around that level of talent, right, the best comics in the world, right, uh, it forced me to take my game to another level. Yeah. You know, it was, I got a, I got a level of polish and a level of, uh, uh, focus that I'd never had before. Right. And uh, I'm always grateful for that. I don't get to work in the city as much now as I used to. Right. I'll take the spots. If I'm right. home, you know, I put in for the spots and I'll take the spots when I get them. Right. But it used to be I would get 10, 12 a week. Right, right. In the city, at, you know, at all the clubs. And, and now I've kind of like gotten older and I'm not a star. Right. And if you have a choice between uh, you know, making some money on the road. No, or, I'm talking about the club owner. If you have a choice oh. between someone who's really good, but nobody really knows who they are. Right. And someone who they know who they are, you know, business-wise, it's a good choice Right. It's easier to say so-and-so from the big reality show is here who may not have this may not have the depth or the richness of someone who's had. It doesn't matter. You no. know, and, and, and I really get it. Okay. I mean, it's, it's bitterness is one of those things you have to really fight it. Right. You know, cause we know guys in the city who have difficulty fighting it. You know, they, they can't get beyond it. Right. right. And, uh, uh, that's why I'm so grateful. I live out here and I have a house. I have my son I, and I have a life. The more life you have, I don't know. I don't know who your projected audience is for this. If it's comedians, but the more life you can have outside of stand-up comedy, right? the richer your life is in terms of, you know, the more balanced you are. It also gives you more that you can offer in your act. Right. Because you have more real life right. to draw from. Right, right. You know, I always have difficulty when I hear an act and their whole act is about being a stand-up comic. Right. You know, there's not rest. Of that. There's the whole thing of like, do you live in the world? Or do you just live in the back room of a club? <laughs> you know, well, for some of them, yeah, it's right, right. But I feel that's what's interesting when you when you do catch someone and they're just talking about 
living in the world and it's ridiculous. I mean, you do the whole thing of like the age and the sound, the sound thing. You know, I can't help it now. I make a sound and I can't. Oh my God, I'm doing that thing. Have I the, crossed um, over? And I, I don't want my act to be about my age. Right. But I've, I've, I've just, I came but up that's with an a, amazing. I came bit. up with a new joke. It's um, that you reach a point in your life where you ask, what have I accomplished? You know, what have I accomplished? I mean, you're, 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 you've got a future ahead of you that you don't know what it is. Okay. But it's still up here. Right. Okay. What you're ascending to. And unless I get a part, a big part on a sitcom or something, you know, unless I could be coach on cheers or something like that, (laughs) uh, then, you know, I, I got what I have and everything. So I mean, you get so you're reflective. So I look back, what have I accomplished? And what you'll do is you will compare yourself to other people your age, okay? Who are, and it's always extremely successful people, right? <laughs> that's, what, that's, what, that's, the, that's the natural thing to do. And so Steve Jobs, <laughs> Steve Jobs is literally, he was literally, he was born three days before me. He's born February 18th of 1955. I'm born February 21st of 1955. He's born three days before me. So, and this guy, what did he, this guy changed the world. You know, (laughs) what have I done? What have I done? You know, so when he died, when he died, immediately I think to myself, I have 72 hours. (laughs) To try and accomplish something. And the best I could do was write this joke. The best <laughs> I could do was write this joke. That's my newest joke. This is great. Now, is that in uh, Windows format as well or just for Apple users? Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Ross Bennett. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's all sorts of people listening there from all over comics, but also just people sitting in their cubicles, living their lives. There's all sorts of people on their journeys. If they want to find out more about me, I have have a website, Mm rossbennett.com. And it will also be on this podcast in the little data information. The truth is, if you just Google Ross Bennett. Yeah, R-O-S-S-B-E-N-N-E-T-T. I'll pop up. Yeah. Ross Bennett comic. I'll pop up. Yeah. That's it. So um, now it's interesting. Years ago, I tried to find, get the website, rossbennett.com, but somebody else had it. Some, I don't know, attorney or whatever. And um, and then, so I had rossbennett.net. I had rossbennettcomic.com, you know, but I, and one time about six, seven years ago, I just happened to type in rossbennett.com. Boom. It's available. It's available. I've never pulled out a credit card faster in my life. <laughs> faster in my life. And I got this thing and I, and I uh, you know, immediately, you know, paid for the next 10 years to have it. Right. And um, uh, there's another Ross Bennett who's a, who's a clothing designer. Oh, wait. Out yeah. of, out of, um, out of Texas. Uh-huh. And my career, my goal is to either win the lottery or to have him become the next Tommy Hilfiger <laughs> and sell him my domain. Right, 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 right. You know, if this guy, and you know what the funny thing is? We friended each other on Facebook. So we, we've seen each other's, you know, pictures and stuff on, on the internet. I'm walking in Greenwich Village about six, seven years ago. And all of a sudden, I hear behind me, Ross Bennett. <laughs> I turn around, Ross Bennett. It's that guy. <laughs> we just happen to be walking by each other. He's like a, he's Texas based. In uh, in uh, yeah, in but 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 he's a, he's a he's a clothing designer. So, so he comes so to New York. He comes to New York to you know sell his wares and to show at the shows and stuff like that. Is that a trip? <laughs> That's so great. That's great. Oh, Ross Bennett. What what's on your what is like for you for the future, what's on your list? Like your, well, you know, I'd love to get acting work. 
and uh, but it's very challenging to get an agent hmm. to have somebody to legitimately send you out. Good friend of mine, Dave Koenig, put together a web series called um, Addicted to Show Business. And it's a theme that Dave has worked around a lot over the years, which is that he's been in show business since he was a kid. And he yeah. just he can't get out. You know, it's like it's like, um, uh, uh, um, like Al Pacino, right, right. Al Pacino in uh, Godfather Part Three. I get out, but they pull me back in. And um, so he wrote this web series, Addicted to Show Business, four minute little webs webisodes. And the premise is, he's got a crazy agent. A real fly-by-night crazy agent, and every episode, the agent has a different idea as to what's going to put this guy over the top. Right. Right. Okay. And he wrote the part for me, and I go in and I do the. We do three episodes. He posts them on the internet. I get a lot of nice response to it. He enters it in. The, there's a. A, a web festival like yeah. the Sundance for for web, for web series. series yeah yeah I won best supporting actor oh my god in a comedy web series out of four like there's 400 things that were were submitted yeah yeah yeah, yeah and yeah. um I kept hoping I could find some way to have somebody look at me as an actor based on that yeah yeah okay but it's just it's hard to get traction with this stuff right but right it's a, but you can there's a connection to that on my webs on my website. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or if you just put in "addicted to show business," it'll it'll pop up on right. YouTube. Um, so that's going on. My my CD, and you can get it on iTunes, has been very successful for yeah. ten years. Uh, they play they played a lot on Sirius XM. Yeah, yeah. I actually, I was, I've been dri I was driving once. I'm like, oh my god, this is Frost Bennett. And <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. You know, people. Re I. It's, I, I get people every show who recognize me from that. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I did Letterman, and it was funny. I had people come out to shows, and I got some good gigs from it, you know, from just right. that one just appearance. Just that one appearance, yeah, yeah. And I always wanted, I wish I could have done a couple more. Right, right. You know, but uh, uh, I enjoyed that. That was like, you know, that's like the... My, I was so f lucky. My son came to, with me to the oh, to the tating, taping, yeah. and he's been my biggest supporter, biggest fan. And uh, but there's routines. There's a routine I do that I had stopped doing because you know you you just it just pulls out of being in favor with your psyche. Right. You stop doing it. And um, when he spent a period of time away from me, there was a video of me he watched performing periodically that's you know, to be close to dad so after i'm living with him again he's about seven or eight years old he goes whatever happened to to chester so what chester he goes chester and i and i'd forgotten this routine it's a routine about a dog and he told me the bit word for word and i reconstructed it Oh my God! It's like, he, not, like had, it was an oral history that was carried exactly through like, your and son. I hadn't back done it for, to you. I hadn't done it for three or four years. Yeah, yeah. And um, so I got this. Uh, uh, the CD has a lot of these these great bits on it, and they, they get played a lot. So what else is in store for me? I don't know. I, I keep wanting more gigs. Yeah. You know, yeah. I keep there. There's, I get. When people hire me for corporate stuff, they're very happy. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're like spot clean. You're like hilarious and completely accessible in any you know in any format I, I you know there's a uh but i'm also because i was a road comic you know i've 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 always had my five or ten minutes of adult material right in my act okay but i always had 30 40 minutes of essentially clean or family right, right. material and that's the reason I've been able, one of the reasons I've been able to make a living. Right. Because you can work okay, completely clean. Is that I can go out on a cruise ship. And of course, being clean on cruise ships isn't as important now as it used to be. Right. A lot of them have adult shows they do and everything. But I can go out and do a family show, 30 minutes, 35 minutes, with a, a mother, a grandmother, and a granddaughter 
all day in the same room and everyone's having and a good no time. point do any of them look at each other uncomfortably right and then all of the five or ten minute chunks over the years that i build up of, of adult material when i do my late night adult show i've got that and but it's still good material it's not just f this and f some guys go out and you know, right, they, right, they, right, they just right, take right. their act and just put in a bunch of f-bombs Right, right. And it's not that. It's just, you know, it's, it's adult content, right. but it's still clever, smart material. Right, right, right. That's a great skill because, boy, some people, when they start out. I had someone ask me, you know, smart material, what do you mean smart material? And so I said, if you, if you have to ask, you don't have any. <laughs> <laughs> so what would be your advice in our in our closing time here? What would be your advice to... Uh, younger comics, aspiring comics, what would you say? The foundation of, of what it takes. Well, I can't give you, I can't give advice on how to be a star. Okay. Cause I, I don't, I, I don't know how to do that. I don't, I don't, I don't, I can't give advice on how to get an agent or how to get a manager or stuff like that. But um, you're funny. You're, yeah. You're genuinely talented and funny. And that is undeniable when you're seen. So, I, what was your process? What I've always done is I've said, what's funny to me? Hmm. Okay. Most of my act, everything in my act is something that struck me funny. My, well, I teach, I don't teach a class, but I've substituted for people who do have classes. And my, when I do my thing with a class, I tell them my job is to take something that I think is funny. And then I have to explain it in such a way that a room full of people can see what I saw. Right. And they all see it at the same moment. That's where the laugh comes in. Right. Okay. It's like, you know, that, that so I got to figure out a way to, how do I explain this thing that I thought was funny and then get it so they all see it at the same time and respond to it. Right. Right. They all fall um, through the same trap door and go, boom, they hit it at the same place. And, uh, you know, and, and I'm, the, the 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 upside of having done this for a long time and not being a star is that I've had piece of material that if I had been a much you know, if I've been a, a, a more famous if I've been a famous comedian I would have done it and retired it and had to write something else right right I got pieces of material I've worked on for decades <laughs> And you've chiseled away and made all Decades. these little facets on it. You know, I got that one about the, the funeral, about um, uh, uh, going to the funeral, and the minister says he died doing what he loved. Right. And uh, I chiseled away at that for like 12 years. Yeah. yeah. To get, you know, and I tried it every which way. It was really hard, you know, and it was, I, I did it so many times where it just got nothing nothing you know and i tried different ways and finally when i figured out it was a parachute jumper <laughs> he died doing what he loved and and, and uh, uh the then i said i don't i don't agree with that i think he did what he loved until about a minute before he died <laughs> <laughs> and then think but that took that took years to find that you know right. but and the only reason that, and the thing is it's only because I'm just a working comic that I had the time to right find to it. sit there and do like well what if I did it this way and then th you know you have, it's like an experiment where you put you plant five thousand seeds and then you have to sort of see what each seed becomes and you have to wait for that thing to blossom so how many times did you go uh nah uh mm. you had the time Evan Davis a comedian my age from and he and he once he 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 came in second on Star Search probably thirty five years ago or whatever and uh, great guy. And he, he came in second to Jenny Jones. Jenny Jones, the talk show host. Oh. She was a stand-up comic yeah, at the yeah, time. Yeah. And he talked about, it's the finals night on Star Search. It's him and Jenny Jones. And he's backstage. And he's walking back and forth, back and forth, over with his set list in his hand, and just going over it and just you know making sure everything is exactly right. And he goes by her dressing room door. And she has her outfit off. And she's gluing sequins onto her dress that have fallen off. And on some level, she knew what was really important. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? 
Right. He's working on the material. She's working on the sequins on the dress. She won. Right. She right. won. She's a wonderful. You know, she's a wonderful lady, and she ended up having a talk show and did lots of great stuff. Right. Right. But, you know, a comic like me, I'm more like Evan. Right. You know, right. I'm focused on content on the content because that's the only thing I have any control over. Right. And she's you know? like content plus vehicle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Presentation vehicle. Oh God. Well, Ross Bennett, I'm so thankful for you to, to, to hang with me today for more information. You can go to WTYPod. That's WTYPod.com. You can uh, click on iTunes or on the SoundCloud. There'll be a little blurb with all the information of Ross Bennett, R O S S B E N E T T B E N N B E N N E T T dot com. Uh, and you can also addicted to, to showbiz. Right. Um, but it'll all be there. And thank you all for listening in. Thank you again, Ross. Thanks for having it's me. Such Rich. a pleasure. You're a great guy. I'm Rich Kamka. This is WTY Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to check us out. iTunes, give us a review. Tell your friends, tell strangers. Thanks for joining us. WTY. It's a comedy journey.